Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hello there and welcome. This is Mike Williams with Genesis. Thanks for joining our podcast again. Hope these uh, notes prove helpful for you. We call this one, It's Never the Elephant. Before we get rolling on a few rather positive issues, I'd like a show of hands in the audience on everyone who knows the major problems facing us. I mean, they're pretty obvious, right? China is crashing to a halt and is going to take the world down with it. Europe is on the ropes and needs more QE, emerging markets, darlings of the crowd just a couple years ago are getting thrashed. Crude oil is too cheap. You remember when it was too expensive, right? Gas is too cheap as well. Commodities have plummeted, and apparently that's bad for us too. And the U.S. dollar is just too darn strong. All of these elements, we are told, are causing great strain on the U.S. economy, sure to come together in the very worst of circumstances to swallow us all up into a black hole. Calls for Dow 3000 are once again front and center. Black swans are covering the landscape. So now that we've reviewed just a small list of the knowns, I need you to keep your hands raised if prior to the last 10 or 20 days you'd ever heard the word Zika. Anyway, as it turns out, the real global emergency, according to the latest headlines, is the Zika virus caused by none other than a mosquito. Anyone else hearing the faint headlines in the back of your mind spewing fear over Ebola, bird flu, and the like? It's likely to turn out the same for the Zika virus. The point to all this? Well, while we worry about all the big stuff repeatedly, the Zika virus, defined in a headline not 24 hours ago as, quote, spreading explosively, unquote, is caused by the bite of a mosquito. What we are witnessing as the year rolls into month two already is a process designed to separate you from your assets. We've always noted here that the purpose of market setbacks is to transfer assets from short-term traders to long-term investors. I wish I could tell you on this podcast that there was an easy way to miss all the strain, but that would be false. History suggests that over a five-year period, the price of a stock will largely track the fundamentals of the company rather than its quarterly economic reports. Now, we live in a world in which information on virtually anything is no further away than your smartphone. With the ability to access information and the media's reporting on the stock market as though it were a sports event, investors have lost track of the long-term and focus way too much on the short term. Don't let this happen to you. Even the world's greatest investment plans underperform from time to time. It's all part of the game and something we need to understand deeply. In fact, without it, the markets would not function. If any investment or wealth-building approach worked every single year, 
then everyone would follow it, and sooner or later it would cease to be successful. The reason value investing doesn't work every year is an advantage to one that follows it. Investors are very fickle and switch investment approaches as often as they change their socks these days. People like to stay with the winners, and if something isn't winning right now, it usually gets tossed into the junk heap. Periods of disappointment are good for any approach because it weeds out the truly committed from the truly fickle. As an example, when many investors fall out of the value investing approach and abandon stocks that are selling below their value, eventually the stock price catches up with the value of the company. And when these stocks begin to rise, those same investors that change their approach to find something better in greener pastures flock back to the same value stocks and the cycle begins again. In other words, for any investment approach to work over the long term, it has to sometimes disappoint over the short term. Here's a quote on that thought from Charlie Munger. Charles is the often overlooked partner of Warren Buffett. They've been together for decades now. In 2009, after Berkshire Hathaway's stock price was off by 50%, he was asked how concerned he was about the drop in their stock price. His response is this, and I quote, Zero. This is the third time Warren and I have seen our holdings in Berkshire go down, top tick to bottom tick, by 50% or more. I think it's in the nature of long-term shareholding of the normal vicissitudes of worldly outcomes of markets that the long-term holder has his quoted value of his stocks go down by 50%. In fact, he goes on to say, you can argue that if you're not willing to react with equanimity to a market price decline of 50% two or three times a century, you're not fit to be a common shareholder and you deserve the mediocre result you're going to get compared to the people who do have the temperament, who can be more philosophical about these market fluctuations, unquote. So now what? Patience, my friends. The year has started out pretty ugly. Not nearly as bad as the headlines might make you assume. It's been churning a good deal internally and chopping things up since last summer, just as we noted here in these podcasts. Yeah, good cash balances are, are wonderful to have, but as you know by now, anytime you finally get the correction you were waiting on, you sure wish you had more cash. There's an old saying in the markets, you never have enough of what you want, and you always have too much of what you don't want. That's just the way it works. The good news, all the mess is working. We've covered several sentiment issues over the last few podcasts. All are now very bearish, from the crowd to advisors, and now even to the Wall Street analysts. You can't see this chart, but you're welcome to email me if you'd like to get a copy of it. But the latest data from uh, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, they track all the analysts on Wall Street, and they put it into an equation of the amount these analysts feel you should have exposed to the stock market on a scale of 1 to 100, and they put it into percentage form. On the heels of the worst month for the stock market since August of 2015, 
Bank of America's contrarian sell-side indicator, a measure of Wall Street's bullishness on stocks, has fallen to 2009 levels. In other words, they are as afraid today of equity exposure as they were back in the pit of the global financial crisis when the Dow was nearly 9,000 points lower. That's what I call fear. Given the contrary nature of this indicator, one should remain encouraged by Wall Street's ongoing lack of optimism. We have found that Wall Street's consensus equity allocation has been a reliable contrary indicator. In other words, it has historically been a long-term bullish signal when Wall Street was extremely bearish, and vice versa. So now, for the patient investor focused on the proper horizon, that sentiment data is sure better than mosquitoes any day, right? We'll have more later. We hope these thoughts have been helpful to you. Let them sink in. Don't be afraid of the headlines. And think long-term. Be a patient investor, not a short-term trader. Join us again soon in our next podcast. Until then, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant. Have a great day.